Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So today I have the pleasure of speaking to David Zhang. He's an entrepreneur who helps business owners, organizations, and even students with digital transformation. He's also a photographer, and we'll get to all of that in a minute. Hi, and welcome. Thank you for making the time, David. Thank you so much, Tatiana. So let's start with a bit of a background. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, cool. I mean, uh, it's a pretty straightforward journey, I guess. (laughs) So I'm David. (laughs) I was uh, born and raised in Canada and the West Coast. Uh, My heritage is... um, you know, Chinese, but I was born and raised in Canada. Um, when I was 18, I was met at a juncture where I was deciding between options for university, as many people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was either, you know, moving to California uh, or um, to Singapore. So it was two very different options. Um, I, yeah, I had no idea what was there for me in Singapore at that time. But um, luckily enough, uh, the school that I'd gotten into flew me out to the city, to the country, and I got a chance to, you know, experience uh, life in this Asian metropolis. And I was quite blown away, honestly. Um, So upon getting back home, uh, I managed to, uh, you know, hear back from the college and um, they'd offered me a full scholarship. So, you know, the decision wow. at that point was very clear <laughs> um, <laughs> to to move to Singapore. So um, I came here um, at 18 with really no background of Southeast Asia, with a very open mind. Um, and then, you know, did my studies here. Um, and then after four years, I went into digital recruitment. Um, so what I was doing was recruiting for, you know, your project managers, uh, UI UX designers, software engineers, software testers, all of that good stuff. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, that was basically uh, what I was up to uh, up until I started my current business. All right. That's, uh, yeah, that's quite a journey. And what <laughs> is your current business? Let's talk about it's Interlunar. Tell me about the name. It's quite a peculiar name. And, and then we can go into what do you do there? Yeah, definitely. So um, Interlunar, um, I can give you a bit of context about uh, the name. Well, there, there's there's a couple of reasons why it's called Interlunar, right? Um, firstly, I think since I was young, I've always had this uh, huge fascination with outer space, um, mm. most particularly the moon, um, you know, because it is kind of like the, the the only kind of big celestial body that we can really stare at with our naked eyes, right? So um, I was like, I was like, okay, cool, cool. This this is um this is something that I definitely want to tie in um, to uh, my business. Um, secondly, uh, there's a really good poetry collection uh, called Interlunar. Um, that's by mm-hmm. Margaret Atwood, who's a Canadian author. Um, so I'm a huge fan of her work and, um, you know, the poems that are in that collection. Um, and Interlunar itself is is also an interesting kind of scientific phenomenon, right? Um, it's essentially the four-day period where the moon 
is not visible to the human eye. Mm. Um, and we've basically taken that four day element and converted it and twisted it in our own way, where we where we give our clients and prospective clients a guarantee of uh, being able to you know generate a roadmap, being able to ideate or um, come up with solutions for different pain points within four business days. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so you do, I've, I've looked at the website and I'll try like in very simple terms, say, explain what you do and then you can take it on from there. So you're mm-hmm. helping um, entrepreneurs, businesses, organizations, big and small. And even I saw you even have like um, a specific uh, page to for, for students as well. You mentioned your mm-hmm. journey. Um, so you help all of those with digital transformation. Um Tell me a bit more about about that. Yeah, so we are trying our best to position ourselves in a way to be a one-stop shop um, for all things that you know revolve around digital transformation. Um, so whether that is you know basic consulting services, uh, design thinking workshops, or um, you know more challenging design briefs, um, our goal is to essentially bring forward. Um, solutions for you know entities both big and small from as you mentioned students all the way Mm. up to uh growing enterprises uh to to come in and essentially um solve pain points whatever those pain points may be um so Mm. our, our goal is really to be quite agnostic um to to come in and uh look at how people uh structure their workflows, um, how they are currently uh, working within their organization or, you know, for students, how they're currently studying Mm. um, or, you know, planning their job search. So our Mm. goal is to come in, um, observe, understand, and then ideate different ways to essentially streamline or modernize or um, create a more, I wouldn't necessarily say efficient per se, but a more productive uh, mm. you know, solution or workaround for, for what they're experiencing. Yeah. Mm. And you pretty much launched in the pandemic or, or, or yeah, it was 2021? <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right smack in the middle of the pandemic. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, during during that period of time, um, you know, there was the term the Great Resignation uh, floating around, <laughs> um, where you know uh, waves of uh, professionals, working adults, were leaving their corporate jobs mm. in mass. <laughs> um, so similarly, um, you know, I, I think I was part of uh, one of those waves. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> So that's, I mean, it's funny that you launched a business that helps people with digital transformation in a period where the term digital acceleration kind of, I mean, it's been around, but that was really impressive. I find that there were many like studies um, and and we saw basically businesses and even huge corporations that have been doing things um, in set ways for a long time and, and, you know, thinking this, that's the only way to do it. And obviously, you know, working from home was one of those, but there's many, many things that happened. Um, and I, I saw, I'm struggling to remember the name, but it was a huge company that did some research and there was like the percentage of companies that managed within literally months and sometimes even 
weeks to get to digitalize their processes, to get people to work from home, to start selling online, to present themselves better online. Things that like you ask yourself, why didn't you do that before? Because, you know, it's it's obviously <laughs> more effective and, and cheaper and it's better for, you know, the clients and it works and and the answers from most executives were in the lines of, you know, well, it was working or we were nervous of, you know, how much it will cost or will it work out? And and so that, that kind of makes you think, what else are we not doing in the best possible ways because we are stuck to our old ways? Mm-hmm. So in a, in a way, um, I feel like, I mean, that that's very much what you doing. And um, I find it interesting that you can offer that as a service to both organizations and individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I definitely completely resonate with with what you what you said. Um, you know, I think this concept of you know too big to fail. Mm. Um, it was definitely tested. Uh, you know, mm. throughout the whole pandemic. <laughs> Um, mm. and, you know, you saw these, uh, industry disruptors and innovators come in, right? Like organizations of maybe 10 to 25 coming in with, um, ideas or uh, new practices, um, that were able to, um, you know, essentially affect the market cap of these, uh, multinational corporation, um, just mm. because of how they adopted, you know, different things like you mentioned, like digital work or um, using kind of new ways of thinking to attack an age-old problem, right? So these these, these mm. are the sort of things that, that we work with as well, yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I find it fascinating that like it, it was a wake-up call, I guess, the, the pandemic for, for people to, you know, but basically it was like, yeah, well, you have to go digital now. It's not a question or you just won't survive because even like um on i mean i'm i'm finding still there are some industries or, or some companies that like you go in it's almost like i mean i, I was going to say like on excel sheets and flying documents around but like even on on paper <laughs> things that's like and it, it it's it's crazy there's like so so much that that is still you know dragging behind um i find it uh, i found it curious on on your website and uh, you even had some uh, posts on on linkedin and you mentioned now that you've done recruitment for quite some time and something that i haven't mm-hmm. um thought about because you, we usually when we talk about digital transformation and accelerations we're thinking about companies but you made yes. me think or your profile made me think about oh, hold on a minute it, it does actually affect as well you mentioned students or job search or how you even present yourself um it's mm-hmm. it has changed so t- tell me a bit more about how has that changed in your opinion over time and also if we can touch on some do's and don'ts for people who are either recruiting or on the other side looking for a job yeah so in the context of a job search right i think um, one common fallacy um, or understanding that a lot of students have is um, you need to essentially flood your flood all of the um, uh, job boards with your cv um, mm. which I personally do not think is necessarily the greatest idea. Mm. Um, and I, I say that for two reasons, right? So firstly, um, these job boards oftentimes use uh, some sort of like code or artificial intelligence to filter out CVs that don't contain certain keywords. Mm. So if you're a student and you know you might not necessarily have 
um, X number of years of experience, or um, you know, your coursework doesn't include this, you know, the keywords that these uh, recruiters or uh, hiring managers are looking for, then your CV is automatically discarded. Mm. Um, and yeah, and second of all, um, you know, going through job boards also means that you know, um, it's you're essentially being piled up with the rest of the job candidates in this case, mm-hmm. which um, it, it doesn't really help you create a differentiating factor unless you have come up with a really great asset that is a CV or resume that's mm-hmm. really able to wow people. Um, so um, I think one big tip for students is really, um, you know, creating a short list of companies, uh, firstly, industries that you want to work for, and then secondly, coming up with uh, another shortlist for companies within those industries. Um, and then afterwards, finding um, hiring managers or people who are maybe one or two positions above where you'd be sitting as a fresh hire um, and having mm-hmm. conversations with them, learning about the company, learning about the roles, learning about uh, you know those people's kind of career trajectories, how they reached where they were, and also mm-hmm. um, to, to understand you know what they're looking to do as well as they progress. Um, You know, having that kind of conversation, getting in contact with those people, um, you know, it it seems quite painstaking, but it's actually a very reflective exercise um, that will lead to, you know, potentially quite a number of coffee chats as well as, Mm. um, you know, connections down the line as well. Um, So I think, you know, um, when it comes to job search, um, that common fallacy needs to be... um, you know, uh, disrupted um, mm. for a lot of students. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and is that yeah. something that you help with? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we've we've helped students, uh, you know, essentially create a roadmap for um, being able to land a dream job. So especially here in Singapore, right, mm. um, where companies um, have a preference for uh, you know local workers and local grad. Mm. Um, a lot of the time, um, you know, foreign students who have studied in Singapore, they do face, um, you know, some sort of issues when it comes to you know, being able to land a job. Um, so mm. being able to highlight these sort of pain points, even before it occurs, um, for students is, is extremely key. So, you know, doing workshops, um, speaking with students one-on-one through consultations or um, you know, just simple e-coffees just to offer some advice. I think, um, you know, mm. these are the different ways that, that we, we engage with students so far. Mm. And I like that because, well, I mean, we're talking about digital and obviously it's it's not easy. I would imagine I'm, I'm actually like uh, like. I'm thinking when I was a bit younger, <laughs> when I was looking for like my first job and, and everything. Um, I'm not that old, eh? <laughs> but still, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm still thinking that was like, I mean, there was Facebook, for example, but that was more like a family thing. And, and LinkedIn was more like, oh, that's for old people. So I, I wasn't, you know, looking much into that, but there was still a lot less of um, content that myself and, you know, the people my age used to put online. And we were a lot more aware of that. And nowadays there's like, you know, I'm looking at my kids and, and there's, you know, there's little that doesn't go online. You literally, you, know, you can have their right. breakfast and, and whatever. And I'm thinking you're going to be looking for a job one day 
and that's all going to be there on the internet. So that, that right. footprint <laughs> that you're leaving, I don't know if people are aware and whether that matters. And I mean, do you feel that something that uh, like students that are coming up to that uh, stage of their life where they need to be uh, looking for a job? And, and we mentioned, obviously, like it's you have to make sure that your CV looks right. And now you have the extra difficulty of there's going to be, you know, some artificial intelligence that's going to be filtering things. So you have to have that in mind as well mm -hmm. and then i like the fact that you mentioned that still there is that human connection and it's better and you have more chances if you do actually look up the people in that company and make those personal connections but how do you feel that that yeah digital footprint affects um affects that process yeah definitely i i do think that there's a huge impact right so um but ultimately i i also think it depends on um the organization's quote unquote due diligence as well <laughs> um, when they're vetting through candidates. Yeah. So um, if we're going to speak um, from my perspective, right, as, as a former recruiter and also, um, you know, hiring for Interlunar as well, um, mm. I, I do look up candidate social media profiles. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so ju just to make sure, you know, um, that, their behaviors in line. <laughs> I would, you know, like definitely want to be working with people who do have um, a good public facing front. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I do think that, you know, companies that do do their due diligence, that was a lot of do, um, but <laughs> do their due diligence, they will um, essentially be able to flag out like, Hey, um, this candidate, um, might have something happening <laughs> or uh, might have this this trait that um could affect work mm. um, which could negatively impact your um your standing right so so i do think that um being able to curate and maintain your digital footprint is extremely key yes mm. i'm amazed actually that 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 probably is something that does that like where where you can I don't know, sign up for something or hire somebody to check all that and, and make sure, like you help, for example, <laughs> with putting together a good CV, that, that would be like, you know, um, uh, next level, kind of a curate your yeah. whole presentation online. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that that's on the the students' uh, side. So you also help organizations. Tell me a little bit more about what type of organizations do you help? Like, who can reach out to you? Um, and and what can you offer? What type of companies can you help with with uh, digital uh, transformation? Yeah. So in terms of organizations, we really to help. I'd say in terms of our portfolio, um, mm. the, the key clients that we've been helping are organizations between uh, one hire, so just like a solo printer, all the way up to about 20 to 25 individuals. Mm -hmm. um, we find that we're able to make an impact the most in those organizations because A, there's less bureaucracy mm. and B, um, it's, uh, you know, organizations of that size um, were able to really um, get to understand the processes and the people and the different stakeholders involved um, within each team or department. Um, so that allows us to really, um, you know, make the best impact, um, especially as a team of three right now. So um, we're quite <laughs> agile as well. So um, yeah, so, so, so I'd say um, organizations that are just starting out trying to figure out their different technical stacks, 
um, trying to understand, um, you know, uh, how to really set up their digital presence um, or best practices when it comes to, for example, outreach and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So we've, we've done, uh, we've been able to help um, solopreneurs with that aspect. Um, for, for growing teams, we've been able to help address different pain points. Um, so one of the biggest uh, kind of not talked about pain point is when um, employees feel like their managers or um, the higher ups don't really understand what's happening in their domain or job function. And then the higher ups or managers feel like the employees aren't being as productive as they can be. Right. Mm. Um, so what, what we do is essentially, uh, you know, um, interview, speak with um, the different uh, stakeholders, uh, different employees, different managers, um, and understand really what is the key driving factor for having um, that hire and what their expectations are and speaking with the hire and essentially, you know, just bridging that knowledge gap. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, when that tension arises, then organizations and teams and departments aren't able to function at their full mm. capacity. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah, that's that's one of the key um, key things that we address. Um, beyond that, we also again we're like a one stop shop for uh, transformation and digital things. So we do quite a number of different design briefs, branding briefs, uh, website um, mm. creation, um, modernization, um, and then we've also done like academic stuff as well with um, mm. with both organizations and universities. Um, about kind of productivity, innovation, disruption, um, things like that. So um, honestly, uh, we do take on quite a lot. But if there's something that we can't take on, um, we'll have someone in our network that will be able to help with that. So, um, you know, organizations of all sizes can get in touch, have a conversation. And, um, you know, at the very least, um, they will exit the chat with uh, some sort of resource or kind of like referrals to, to speak with. Mm, yeah, absolutely. As you as you were talking, actually, it made me think um, because you said the perfect type of organization would be one to 20, 25 people. And I'm thinking people usually do. Um, and I see that with my in my work where people like start a company, they come up with some name, don't give it much thought. It's like, oh, it's a name, whatever, we can change it, get a domain, same thing, you know, whatever can mm-hmm. work, we can change it later. And then it's always much riskier and more expensive and 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 when you're changing things later as opposed to you know thinking them through at the outset and i'm thinking as you're speaking like in terms of um those tensions between uh management and employees and also the fact that you start an organization and you don't think through and i have to say i'm even myself guilty of that i don't think there are many entrepreneurs that start a business and think okay so what's the best way to use digital for my business and you know, mm-hmm. make that a plan and make that a strategy and execute it with the future even in mind, you know, because we obviously have some vision for that business. So if you're thinking, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of having my, I've done some programming ages ago, but that's my programming brain <laughs> kicking in where, <laughs> <laughs> where when you're coding, for example, and I've had that so many 
times with clients in the past when I was um, doing, you know, coding myself and then I had an IT agency, but like you're talking to people and it was so hard to get out of them. Just tell me, what do you think ahead? Not now, because it will help build that software in a way that it will be easy to expand in the future and not have to, you know, put it in the bin and start a new thing. Um, And in a way, as you were talking now about digital, I'm thinking, when is the best time for an organization to speak to somebody like you um, and figure out, you know, some strategy about how they can use digital for their benefit? Like, is it when they're starting the business? Is it when they kind of prove the concept? When would you say is the best time? Yeah, I think um, the best time is definitely, um, I think there's two times. Mm-hmm. Um, one is uh, even like way before finding product market fit. Um, just being able to speak to an organization such as ours, uh, bounce ideas, uh, be able to ideate and get some feedback. Um, I think mm. that's extremely key. Um, one of the benefits of uh, Interlunar is that, you know, our mission is to really democratize and uh, enable access to consulting and design services, no matter um, what size your entity is or um, what what your budget really is. Um, mm. So, you know, being able to put in that couple of hundred of dollars to be able to speak with, um, you know, a full team um, and be able to access that network, I think is, is really key, especially um, if you're not a digital native. I think um, getting that insight um, early on will help. Um, and then the second the second best time would probably be um, as the team is expanding. Um, mm-hmm. After finding product market fit, um, you know, w- when the team is set to, you know, double in 18 months, for example, um, that's a good time to make sure that you have uh, the correct kind of technical stack, um, make any adjustments to, you know, your workflows, consider different automations, um, you know, having those discussions and getting those, uh, those, those pieces of advice in at that point are super critical um, because, you know, uh, you, you, you want things to be efficient and um, streamlined at that point um, where, you know, people know where different knowledge is located, where people know, Hey, I don't need to do triple data entry. Like I just Mm -hmm. need to enter it in one place and it'll show up across the whole um, technical stack. Like, you know, these things are, you know, they might seem marginal, like, but, it really does impact um, an organization's performance and also mm. employees' well-being as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like shocked oftentimes with um, I don't know. I think the the latest it was um, it was somebody dealing uh, with um, premium domain name similar to myself, and in a conversation, I realized they're spending more than eighty percent of their time daily going through inquiries. And I'm like, how, how can you, do you know what I mean? Like manually going through every, every lead that has contacted them through the website. And on our side, if I had to do that, I think that would take, because I'm managing, you know, some large portfolios of names that would, I mean, 80% of my time wouldn't even be enough. And also it's like (laughs) such a waste of, of, of time. It's like, I mean, it can be to a huge extent automated and then, you know, we can have somebody just for checking through what's left after the automation to make sure, you know, you're not missing something, but it, it, people still do that. I'm like blown away. Yeah. 
very shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you also have monthly plans, which I found very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like how, how does that work? I've never seen a monthly plan for consultancy effectively. Yes. Um, I think I think that was actually one of the biggest um you know, challenges, um, pricing, um, which is why we came up with those monthly plans. Um, so pricing and also retaining clients, um, mm. because, um, you know, project-based work, a lot of the times it's like, um, you know, client will uh, come to us and be like, Hey, uh, we need X done. And we'll be like, great. Um, here's the timeline. Here's the roadmap. Um, it'll be done by this date. And then, you know, once everything is delivered, everything's handed over, mm. then the conversation just dies. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so for us, um, you know, we were exploring different pricing models, looking at different ways that, um, you know, things are done. Um, and we thought that uh, moving into a sort of like monthly retainer slash membership idea um, mm. is, is something viable. And that's something that's been relatively well, well received um, so mm. far. Um and that also uh, brings me to the point of uh, being able to democratize access to consulting services uh, mm. because there because there are three different tiers um, for memberships. Um, it allows people all the way from, you know, uh, a solopreneur just starting out is completely mm. bootstrapped um, all the way to a growing uh, company of maybe 10, 15 um, to be able to, you know, um, work with us and not really feel a dent mm. in their budget. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's really the ultimate thing. Um, you know, being able to create longer term relationships, um, with different individuals and organizations. I think that's, mm. that's why we, um, have, have listed those, those memberships. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that a lot. And it also, like you said, uh, allows you to, it's almost like you become a part of the team. Um, it's especially when we're talking digital, I mean, things are changing and moving all the time and so quickly that it's, it's really, I can totally see the sense in, in having somebody there that you can reach out to and adapt things. And it allows you as well to, to deliver much better results, I would imagine, because as you mentioned, if you, you know, put something together, give it or launch it with that company, and then you're off, you can't handle however that's reacted as it's being exploited over time. Exactly. Yeah. So I think having that ongoing relationship um, is is extremely beneficial, um, especially considering that um, through that membership, we also do quite a number of different audits. Um, mm-hmm. And value-added services beyond kind of that um, hourly engagement that um, is listed there. Um, so being able to know, like, hey, um, <laughs> certain things uh, aren't performing so well, or oh, there's like a mm-hmm. new platform that's um, that could be relevant to the way that we're doing project management. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, be- being able to to stay in the loop um, and kind of have like. Uh, "Quote unquote consultancy out of your pocket <laughs> mm-hmm. um, is 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 what we're uh, really going for here. Yeah. And you do uh, you you mentioned you also handle like websites and digital um, design and and all that. How involved do you get in in the brand and branding process? Very involved, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So all the way from uh, the beginning of you know ideation um doing uh, mood boards mm. of 
uh, you know, essentially, you know, coming up with like adjectives or adverbs of like how you want people to feel when they come across your brand, um, mm. all the way through to, you know, the design work of, you know, um, sketches to uh, full scale, um, you know, delivery of the final design assets. Um, yeah, we're very hands on with, with the design part. Mm. And with all of those platforms, um, something that I, I find many, many companies, many brands are struggling with is consistency. Um, and um, how do you feel has, oh, what importance do you give to it? And I, I mean, I'm obviously biased and, um, or more interested <laughs> in, in the naming side of it because, yeah. um, I, I mean, it, it is what I do, but it's not just the name. And I feel sometimes um people go you know oh brand you know i have the logo there they go i have a brand or i have the name or i have the domain it's not it's all of those things and in a huge part of what makes a brand a brand is that consistency that you know that you can you can if you think of any good brand that has been there for quite some time you can literally like even you know it's just the color the sound or you can recognize them instantly uh, yes. But it's that it's that consistency over time, and with um, so many ways and platforms and and just information everywhere accessible to everyone, it's so so hard to to stay consistent. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, you know, being consistent is super key when it comes to uh, branding and design. Um, you know, you, you want to make sure that all of the assets that you put out there um, evoke the same feeling or have the same tone or um, look and feel the same way, mm. regardless of what platform or um if it's digital or in print or mm. at an event, you know, um, being consistent is, is so key, right? Because um, the second that messaging or um, designs aren't consistent or cohesive, then um, it, I, I don't think it does um, the organization a favor. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I completely resonate with that. And um, again, like having so many tools at your fingertips, it just makes sense to, be able to, you know, identify a tech stack and uh, streamline mm. your workflow as much as possible to ensure that, um, you know, you're able to be consistent with with what you're putting out um, in that sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I wanted to, you, you're also a photographer. Like we're coming up to 40 minutes, so I'm <laughs> going to try and make that quick. But yeah. I want to okay. ask you about that as well. Yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, so photography for me started when I was literally just entering high school, right? So that would have been 13. Um, there was like some sort of like, like boxing day sale and my parents were like, Ooh, um, this camera set looks cool. It's like 80% off. Let's grab it. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, basically this, this whole camera with like three different lenses and like a camera bag just showed up, um, in, in the living room and it sat there idly for a couple of weeks, but then I was like, okay, like if no one's going to use it, I'm going to try it out. Um, so it started as kind of like a hobby, right. Where, um, I was just like capturing different things in mm-hmm. life. So whether it was kind of like, um, I was going for a walk or I was meeting with some friends or you know i noticed something very particular um you know i I would just use that camera and snap it so it was something that i was bringing around a lot um Mm -hmm. and then 
um, moving forward, um, just a few months in, um, you know, I, I had a couple of friends who were like, oh, you know, I really like the photos that you uploaded on social media. Um, I'm running this event. Um, do you want to be a photographer there? And mm. then, you know, things just started picking up from there. So at first it was like pro bono and then, you know, done for free as a favor, et cetera, et cetera. And then that shifted into doing, you know, weddings, galas, mm. <laughs> um, events on a paid basis, as well as corporate photo shoots now as well. Um, and, and again, I think um, this whole like democratizing access thing, like I, I really believe in kind of empowering the masses. So, um, you know, part of our creative services also includes photography um, and videography as well. So um, a lot of the work that we do still kind of goes through um, my lens in, in a lot of ways, like um, especially mm. for, for the creative work. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how the photography journey started and where it's at currently. Mm. Yeah, and I yeah. like how that connects to to everything you do, as you mentioned. Yeah, right? I, yeah I think um, one thing that really inspired me to start up into Lunar is um, I felt that a lot of my creative, like, creative juices weren't being utilized in mm. kind of the roles that I was in um, after graduating. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really important for me to create an outlet and create something that would have an impact but also um you know tap into that creative side of me again because that's really ultimately what brings me fulfillment um mm. and yeah that's that's precisely it. <laughs> hmm. i think that's important and it's a cool thing to end on as a as a thought and a, as a sort of a message it, it does like whatever it is you're doing and you've mentioned it a few times you know the democratizing uh digital making it accessible and making sure that you know everyone from a student to a big organization can benefit from that and and now you mentioned the photography so it really does feel like you you found something that you're doing that's not just profitable but you're also passionate about and it also corresponds to um your view of of life in general it's not you know just just let's figure something out that would make money or that you know i started mm -hmm. yeah definitely uh 100 what you said <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> wonderful all right and last thing where can people reach you we'll obviously include all the links but just for our listeners where can they reach you yeah, um, I think the most easy way to reach out would be um, through our website. Um, you can drop us an email at info, that's I-N-F-O, at interlunar, I-N-T-E-R-L-U-N-A-R dot C-O. Um, you can also reach out through the DMs on Instagram. Um, alternatively, you can also look for me on LinkedIn and feel free to connect. Wonderful. Well, thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.